0: Well, again, glad that you're here as we launch into this uh, series, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. Find Matthew chapter 6. In your Bible or on your device, uh, Matthew chapter 6, we'll be looking at that in just a second. 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's not too late to let us know that you want to join the journey. Uh, If you'll text 21 days uh, to 219-336-2135, let us know and we will respond to you. Uh, Let me uh, give you an idea of what's going to happen beginning tomorrow, day one. I want to take you to our website. If you look at the screens, um, we... uh, we have a website if you'll click on 21 days on the home page that will take you to the 21 days of prayer and fasting Uh, page. And on that page, uh, we have some uh, resources that help you understand uh, prayer and fasting a little bit more. If you click on day one, you'll find the prayer focus and the prayer scripture for the day. You will find a song uh, relating uh, to that thought to listen to that. And then uh, we will have a devotional thought from someone from your Grace Fellowship family, as well as a few process questions uh, for you to think through what you've just heard and experienced. And so we uh, encourage you uh, to take part of that. We'll put the link of that uh, on a Facebook page if you're on uh, Facebook. But uh, don't leave this morning without one of these cards. Uh, This gives you the calendar for the 21 days, uh, what we're praying for and the scripture that we're focusing on. And then if you have a journal, want to get a journal or go to Connection Point, we have these journals. Uh, We encourage you to write down your thoughts Uh, your prayers, uh, any insights that uh, God might be giving you uh, during this process. And let's join together in this whole journey of prayer and fasting. Again, text 21 days uh, to 219-336-2135 and let us know that you're a part of this journey together. Okay, Jesus is going to teach us. How to pray in the Gospels, we read in Luke, where the disciples they noticed the prayer life of Jesus. They were Jewish boys, they knew how to pray, but there was something about the prayers of Jesus, the prayer life of Jesus, uh, that they knew was uh, drastically mi- missing in their own uh, spiritual uh, discipline of prayer, and so they came to Jesus and said, "Jesus, you've got to teach us how to pray, and here's one of the teachings that we find in the Sermon on the Mount. chapter six I 'm going to start with the verse five. Jesus is saying, "And when you pray." "'You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly.' And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. And then he says in verse 9, in this manner or in this way, therefore, pray. And at this point, I want all of us to stand. Many of you have already memorized this prayer. Hopefully, by the end of this series, you will have memorized Uh, This prayer, but this is the model prayer that Jesus gives us, and we want to read this uh, prayer together. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Jesus, teach us how to pray. This this prayer for centuries and around the world has been called the Lord's Prayer. It's a bit of a misnomer because actually the Lord's Prayer is recorded in John chapter 17. That's the prayer that Jesus prayed for us. But Jesus gives us a model of prayer. Uh, in verse 9, it said, he said, in this way or uh, in this manner. He wasn't teaching us what to pray, the words to pray. He was teaching us how to pray in this manner or in this way. So for the next several weeks, we are going to learn how to pray according to, not repeating the words because Jesus just warned us in this passage, Right against repetition, against meaningless repetition of words. So he's teaching us uh, how to pray or what model. Uh, he's giving us an example on how to pray, and we're going to learn according to that model. Here's what we're going to learn today, and I'll just give this up front to you. Who, who are you talking to and who's doing the talking? Those are the two questions we're answering today. Who are you talking to and who's doing the talking? The first thing we need to learn about prayer is understanding who we're talking to. Who are you talking to? Have you ever been in a conversation uh, with someone whose name you did not know? Or worse, you've been in a conversation with a name you should have known, but you've now forgotten that name, and that's when you pray, our Father in heaven, please give me that person's name, because this is going to get really awkward in a moment if I don't remember this person's name. A name is a big deal. The first thing you learn about prayer uh, is who you're praying to our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name let 's talk about this our father, everybody has a father, everybody say our father, our Father uh, some of you have a problem with Father, and the first thing that I want to say is, is this is our this is our father, not my father or your father, Jesus is your father yes uh, 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 God is your Father, and, but Jesus said, you know, uh, you have a personal Father. You go to your closet, and you close your door, and you pray to your Father. Yes, that's personal, but Jesus began this prayer with, with our Father. He uses eight plural pronouns in this prayer, our Father. Give us, forgive us, deliver us. We have a Father. You have a personal Father, but you can't miss this point. I think Jesus is making this point. You have siblings, you have siblings. How many of you biologically are, are an only child? Anybody, any only children? Okay. Uh, there are pros to that. There are definitely advantages to being an only child. Uh, but the Bible makes clear, friends, this is clear. When you become a Jesus follower, it's not, it's not just you and Jesus. You get all of the other followers thrown in. That's why we're doing this 21-day journey together. The Bible talks about the family of God, the body of Christ. Jesus said, wherever two or three of you siblings are gathering together, the Father shows up, usually because a a, a fight breaks out or an argument starts up, you know, because we don't always get along. That's why we pray for one another. That's why we pray with one another. That's why we go together and say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, some of you have a problem with the term father because this is our tendency for all of us to look at our heavenly fathers through the lens of our earthly father. If your earthly father was good, you tend to see your heavenly father as good. But if your earthly father was not all the father that he should have been, he abandoned you or mistreated you or abused you or neglected you, deprived you, didn't give you what an earthly father should have given you. Well, friends, everybody has a biological father, but not everybody has a father, father. And so the first thing we need to establish is that the one that we pray to, the one that we look to depend on for all good things, friends, the the Father, the Heavenly Father, you have a Father in heaven that far exceeds any imagination of a Father, anything that you could ask of an earthly Father. He is far more. Why is this important? You might want to write this down. The level of relationship determines the level of exchange. The level of relationship determines the level of exchange. What do I mean by that? Children approach their fathers differently than they approach other adults. Children ask of their father things that they would not ask of other adults. Children, I'm talking about children, young children walk into the presence of their fathers with shameless audacity, you know, I'm talking I'm talk, children who, who have no concept of decorum or restraint or respect for what's going on in the room. They just walk into the room in the presence of the real father who loves them with shameless audacity. Uh, Think, what must it be like to be a child of a famous person, a child of the President of the United States or a grandchild of the President? If he's a real dad, it doesn't really make a difference, right? What title he holds or what position in this world he might possess. When when my children were children, they didn't care what I was doing, where I was at, or who I was talking to. They would interrupt official meetings. They would interrupt counseling sessions. They would interrupt church services. They didn't care. They didn't care who I was or what I was doing. They don't, they don't care what my title is to anybody. When they need their daddy, they need their daddy. And so they, they just enter into that presence with what I call shameless audacity. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You have a father strong enough to protect you, tender enough to heal you, wise enough to teach you, patient enough to bear with you, close enough to hear you and compassionate enough always respond to you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. On the count of three, everyone say our Father in heaven. One, two, three. Our Father in heaven. Let's talk about heaven. First of all, heaven is a place. It is a physical place. It is a place that Jesus said he has prepared for us. In my Father's house are many what? mansions or rooms. There is a room in heaven prepared just for you. You have your own room, and it's a happy room. It's a perfect room. It's a peaceful room. Heaven is a place prepared for you. It is also a presence. It is also a presence. We think of heaven and hell, okay? Uh, Heaven is up here. It's a place, and we think of hell being down there. Sometimes we think it's right here, but uh, it's down there. So we, we think of, of locality. We think of place. But heaven is also a presence. What makes heaven heaven is the presence of God. So heaven is the presence of God. Hell is the absence of God. This is very important for us to understand, friends. You could die and go to heaven immediately. The moment you die on earth, you find yourself in the presence of God. You find yourself in heaven. How many of you believe in heaven? Okay, how many of you want to go to heaven this moment? Yeah, the, 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 the hands always go down. I mean, there are some of you. But I, I guarantee, I assure you that the moment you get into heaven, you'll wonder why your hand wasn't up for that final question. Because heaven is the presence of God. It is a place particularly pre- prepared for his children. Next week, we're going to look at the phrase, thy kingdom come. May you rule, may your kingdom in my life and on on this earth, may you rule on earth like you rule. May the peace and the joy that we long for in heaven become a reality on earth and in this life. Our Father who is in heaven. This is who you're you're praying to. You need to understand who you're talking to. That's the first point. Understand who you're praying. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or or hallowed, hallowed. Now, if you're a real King James person, you would say hallowed. Like you say, blessed, said, but you can say blessed or hallowed. His name, the, the word just seemed, means holy. Holy is your name. Hallowed means holy. You're may your name be holy or cause your name to be holy. Cause your name to be honored and revered and respected and adored and glorified and exalted above all names. There's no name like yours. There's nobody like you. You need to know who you're talking to before you ask anything, before you ask him to do anything or give you anything, before you say anything, before you complain to him or pour out your heart to him. Friends, all of those things are good and they're fine. After, after you've acknowledged who you're talking to. Why? Because level of a relationship determines level of exchange. You know, who you're talking to changes what you say, right? And how you say it. You're talking to your kids or your spouse, your neighbor, your friends. You say things to your kids that you would never say to your boss. You say things to your spouse that you would never say to your neighbor. When you know who you're talking to, it influences what you say and how you say it. Friends, our Father his name is his identity this is who he is you're talking to the king of heaven whose name is holy set apart unique and special no one has a name like god's name you you are father his name is his his character his name is holy his character is holy everything he does is holy here's the here's the deal friend you cannot make his name holy He is holy without you. His name is holy. He he doesn't need you to make his name holy. So you're not praying that one day his name would be holy. He is who he is all by himself. You're praying to understand for you, for you to acknowledge. You're praying that you would acknowledge his holiness that you would acknowledge the reality of who he is and that you would ask that reality to come into your life. Father, you are holy in heaven. May you be holy on earth. May you be holy in my life. May your holiness be reflective in who I am. Before I say anything or ask of anything, complain or pour out my heart, I need to acknowledge you and you alone as holy. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. His name is his character. Secondly, his name is his promise, his promise. How many of you have friends, don't look at them, but how many of you have friends who are one thing, one moment, and another thing, another moment? They're grumpy one moment and happy the next moment. They're like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, okay? God is not that. You can always depend on God to be God. He is everything. His name is. Means. That's his integrity. That's his holiness. He never changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is one, of, if you've never done this, uh, this is one of the coolest things you can do in Bible study. You can, there are literally dozens and dozens, hundreds of names and descriptors for God in the Bible. And all that he is is summed up in the names that he gives us in Scripture. There are two basic groups of names for God in the Bible Eloistic names and Jehovahistic names. I'm not gonna ask you to say that. Eloistic names and Jehovahistic. It will be on the quiz, but write it down. the L Names of God, El Shaddai, God Almighty. He is the God of all power. There is nothing that God cannot do. El Elyon, the God Most High. El Rohi, the God who sees. El Olam, the God of eternity, the, the everlasting God. El Oqabod, the God of glory. Elohim Kalasham, the Holy God. He is holy. The L Names speak to the transcendency of God, the holiness of God. God is wholly other than any other. There is no one like God. There's no one like God. And then we have the Jehovahistic names that speak to his personal relationship to us. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. Jehovah Shabbat, he is Lord over all, Lord of hosts. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. There's dozens of those kinds of names in the Bible. His name is his promise. This is his promise to us. And he cannot not fulfill his promise to his children. Why? Because he's holy. He's Jehovah Elohim, the Lord God. When you talk to him, this is who you're talking to. This is what he can do for you. This is what he wants for you. This is his desire for you, for him to be God in your life, to be your father. Friends, again, you cannot elevate elevate him to make him better. You cannot diminish him to make him worse. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have to know who you're talking to. Our father in heaven, holy is your name. When I come to God and I start talking to God, and I, when I begin, uh, began sharing my heart with God, laying everything out before God, I first have to remind myself of who God is, who I'm talking to. Which means whenever I pray, I need to acknowledge that all the glory, all the honor, all the power, all the, all the respect, all the obedience, all the adherence, it, there's no one else deserving of that. Holy is your name. Which means whatever I Whenever I pray and whatever I pray for, I trust in the good provision and purpose of God for my life. When something happens that's good in my life, I give all the praise to God that he deserves. And when something bad happens in my life, I'm going to give him all the trust that I can muster. Because you, God, you are Jehovah Elohim. You are the Lord. You are the God of my life. You need to know who you're talking to the king of creation, the Lord of life, the omnipotent omniscient on the present one. There's nothing that he can't do. All power is in his hands, all righteousness and justice, all grace and mercy. He's the God of infinite perfection, wisdom and might. He lacks nothing within himself and he cannot deny his character. He is tender toward the brokenhearted. He is compassionate toward the needy. He is a father to the fatherless. You need to know who you're talking to. But here's the second thing you need to know. You need to know who's talking. You need to know who's talking. And for that, we need to back up before Jesus gives us this model prayer. Because in this passage, it's like Jesus saying, before I teach you how to pray, let me tell you how not to pray. Here's what not to do. And let's look at this again. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Verse seven, and when you pray, but when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard For their many words. Why does he say this? Because the level of relationship determines the level of exchange. Friends, there's two different ways, two different approaches uh, to God, depending on who he is to you. Uh, Some of you might remember before Siri was invented or created, before Google Maps could actually speak to you, uh, you might want to be going someplace, not knowing where you were or how to get there. And so you would stop someone along the way and ask for directions. I've done this for others. Others have done this for me. It doesn't really matter. Complete strangers can do this for one another. If I have directions and you need directions, I will give you directions. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who I am. It's It's entirely normal. It's entirely appropriate. It's entirely common in our society to give each other directions, regardless of the level of relationship. But level of relationship determines the level of exchange. What if after they ask for directions, they ask for help? What if they ask for physical or tangible? What if they ask for money? Well, then you would, again, stop and assess the level of a relationship. A complete stranger off the street? Well, maybe not. A neighbor? Maybe. Your child? Absolutely not. But are they going on? Uh, I, can I have directions? Yes. Can I have your wallet? Level of relationship determines level of exchange. In this passage, Jesus is not so much addressing the level of exchange as much as he is exposing the level of relationship. Friends, why do you pray? For what do you pray? With what expectation do you pray? And on what basis of relationship do you expect that prayer to be heard and responded to? In the years that we have been married, Rhonda and I have rented three different houses and we've been the owner of two and you know that there is a difference of relationship in that situation. Here's my question for you. Is God your landlord or your father? Do you live in the house as a renter or as a child? Because the level of relationship determines the level of exchange. Now as a renter, and all of many of you have been there, you you sign a contract, you make an agreement. You pay the rent, they take care of the house. It's a business agreement, a business relationship. A business relationship is a conditional relationship. It's all about what you have that I want and how can I get from you what I want. A business relationship is a performance relationship. You do for me and I will respond. I do for you and you will respond. You do, I receive. I do, you receive. A business relationship is a temporary relationship. It continues as long as it's mutually beneficial between the two of us. Jesus, in these prior verses, is describing the business approach to prayer. If I say this, if I do this, if I make this happen, if I obey these things, if I do these things, if I... Make sure that I'm, you know, God will respond with what I want. If I jump through these hoops, God is obligated to come through for me. If I pray a certain way or I pray a certain prayer, if I use certain words and use it uh, so many times, etc. the list is endless. But if I, if I can do all of that stuff, then God will owe me. God will owe me. You have to ask yourself, do you, do you live in the house as a boarder or as a child? And how do you know? How, do you, how, how can you discern the level of relationship that you have with God? Here's, here's one way. What do you do when you don't get what you get? What do you do when you don't get what you want? What happens when the prayers, when, when the response to your prayers isn't what you desired? What happens when you don't get what you've asked for? How's the level of relationship? And think of this, even when your prayers do work to your favor, even when God does answer your request and give you what you want, I mean, what, what's, what's your response? Think about this. Think about this. When was the last time uh, you picked up your paycheck and sang the praises of your employer? You are so awesome. You are so great. You are so, I am unworthy of what you've just given me, holy and righteous. Is, you probably didn't do any of that stuff, right? Because it's a business relationship. You just did what you did, and they did what they did. That's the purpose of your relationship. It doesn't inspire praise and gratitude and thanks. I mean, you might be thankful for a job, but you, you did something, and you earned what you got. When you're in a, friends, when you're in a business relationship with God, there's, there's very little source of wonder, there's very little spirit of praise. There's very few times when you are overwhelmed with gratitude because when you're in a business relationship with God, you don't really feel all that unworthy when you jump jumped through the hoops you've created. Look at your prayer life. Is it a laundry list of expectations? Have you just given God a bunch of stuff that he needs to do for you because you've done for him? Look at the level of your relationship. Is it based on performance? And does all of that end when the benefits stop? What do you say when God says no? What do you say when God says yes? And Jesus says in that passage, no, this is, this is not prayer. This is not the way you pray. When you pray, you need, you need to know who you're talking to. You are talking to a father, our father in heaven. Remember the prodigal son? This rebellious kid with a boatload of disappointments based on his expectations of his father. So he takes off on his own. He comes to his senses, but he doesn't really fully come to understanding of who his father actually is. Because if you remember the story, he goes back to the house and he says, I'm willing to pay the rent. I just need a place to live. Remember that? Hire me as your servant. Will you, in other words, will you be my landlord? And the man who owns the house and everything in it says, no, no. I don't, I don't want you to be a renter. I don't want you to be a boarder. I want a child. I want you to be my son, my daughter. See how very much our father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are, friends. Friends, if you don't see God as your father, your prayers won't be right. You won't pray well. Honestly, you, you won't pray long. If, if you pray at all, you will stop praying. You've got to know who you're talking to, and you've got to know who's talking. Without our Father, the rest of the prayer is useless. Are you, are you his child? John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, he's referring to Jesus, to all who received Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When you pray, our father, you need to make sure it's actually your father that you're praying to. You've you've heard the stories, you've seen it in the movies, maybe you've been a part of this kind of a story. Some kid shows up 20 years later in a guy's life and says, you're my dad. And the guy says, no, you're not. And the kid says, yes, I am. And the guy says, prove it. And so what do they do? They go to a clinic and they take what? A blood test. Because it's the blood that proves paternity. It's the blood test that proves who your father is. My friends, you need to understand this. Just because God is your creator doesn't mean that God is your father. This is so important for us to understand, friends. This is the gospel. Jesus gave us his blood so that God could become our father. If you are in Christ, if you are under the blood of Jesus, the blood test proves paternity, but you've got to make sure that you're under that blood. Romans chapter eight says, you have not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, what? Abba, Abba. What? Father, Father. So when you come to him and you ask Jesus to be your savior, when you place yourself under the lordship of Christ, As a child of the father, which allows you to say along with Jesus, our father, a father who loves you, cares for you, listens to you, hears your prayers and responds to your prayers. Level of relationship determines level of exchange. Now you have the confidence and the boldness and the shameless audacity to approach the throne of grace and talk to your father, your father in heaven. Holy is your name. Holy is your name. That's prayer, my friends. Our father, holy is that's who you're talking to. And that's who's talking, a child of the father. Is he your landlord or is he your daddy? We're going to pray. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. I'm going to encourage all of us to pray. If you're a follower of Jesus, if God is your father, I want you to take these next moments and just thank him for being your father And talk to him when he gives you what you want, give him all the praise he deserves. And when he doesn't give you what you want, give him all the trust that you can muster because he is your father who loves you and knows what is best for you. Let him know how grateful you are that he's your father. And I challenge you to use these next 21 days to ask your father to reveal himself as father in ways that you've never experienced before. But if you are not a follower of Jesus yet, you can settle that issue right where you are with the words in your heart and in your mind in your own particular way just tell him that you're done living your life you're done being the prodigal child and you want to come home not as a renter or a boarder but as a child you're done treating God as a landlord and you just ask him to forgive your sin and to take leadership of your life and to adopt you as his child let's pray together and then I'll close Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. It is such a privilege that you allow us to approach you, to even consider the possibility that you want to be our dad. And may that awareness, may that understanding so humble us that we would surrender all that we have and all that we are to your good care for us. We surrender our lives to you. We were resent- we surrender the authority and the leadership of our lives to you. We submit ourselves to you as as a father who loves us, who hears us, who responds to us. And we thank you, Father, that you made that possible through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.